Welcome to Cracking Charity Chats, Learning from the Leaders with me, Beth Crackles. In this episode, I'm speaking with Tracy Pritchard, Director of Engagement at Prostate Cancer UK. Tracy has a cross-organisational role with both fundraising and communications reporting into her, and we discuss the work that they've been doing to identify and better understand their audiences those that access services and those that support financially as well, crucially seeing them as one. I hope you enjoy listening. Today I'm joined by Tracy Pritchard, who is Director of Engagement at Prostate Cancer UK. Hello. Hello. I've worked with Tracy before at RNIB and Friends of the Earth where she's employed me. Thank you, Tracy. It's a pleasure. <laughs> for helping me. You've abandoned me in both, on both occasions, <laughs> yeah. I seem to remember. Yeah. <laughs> so I came to Prostate Cancer UK about 18 months ago, and it was a very careful and considered choice. And like you felt when you came in the office uh, today, that it's got a very distinctive brand. Mm. There's a real vibe to yeah. Prostate Cancer UK, a real energy to the place, um, and a really clear strategy. And all of those things have kind of played out to be really true it's, it's a really fantastic place to work also you seem to have lots of young trendy people here we do. as well yeah God, i walked through that leaving deal on the way here and i felt like <laughs> i felt about like 60 years old yeah that's that probably <laughs> just a reflection of my sleep deprivation i was like wow amazing attractive people so yeah well done on landing that lot. Lot of, yeah well they're, they're a fantastic team they yes. really are exceptional. So today we're going to be talking about audience insight to engage service users and supporters. So as I understand it, your role covers various different audiences, not just about supporters, is it? Absolutely. The engagement um, approach at Prostate Cancer UK is about taking a very holistic view of how individuals engage with both the cause and Prostate Cancer UK brand. So it's a very kind of rounded look at how and why and who it is that wants to engage with us in a range of different ways and thinking about it from the perspective of individuals rather than thinking about it in a way that we maybe more traditionally might have done because of the way we're structured internally in a lot of charities where we kind of label people supporters or beneficiaries. We're trying to kind of break that down a bit so that we think about people as people and the whole range of ways that they might want to support us and receive support from us. So my role is kind of cross-organisational and although fundraising and communications teams both report into me, as does technology because we have a very audience-focused approach to technology, it's a kind of a broader remit, it's a cross-organisational remit. And can you give us a brief overview about the organisation? Yeah, so one of the reasons that I was attracted to Prostate Cancer UK, because I've been here for about 18 months now, was the the fact that we've got a really, really clear strategy. And as somebody who's kind of responsible for trying to raise funds for a charity or communicate, any organisation that can demonstrate that it's got that clarity of what it's trying to achieve, that's just like gold dust, isn't it? And Prostate Cancer UK has a 10-year strategy, which is to stop men dying from prostate cancer. And not only that, but we worked out what that means we need to do over that 10-year period. And our focus is, at the moment, very much around diagnosis, so ensuring that there is more money poured into the research to make sure that we get to a screening programme for men, which doesn't exist at the moment, despite the fact that one in eight men will have prostate cancer at some point in their lives. In fact, one in four black men, um, yet there's no screening programme 
available in the way that there is for breast cancer. And the incidence of, of prostate cancer, the number of people dying from prostate cancer is going to exceed the number of people dying from breast cancer in the future. But the amount of money that's been invested in this, in the research around prostate cancer is way behind where it has been for breast cancer. So we kind of need to solve that problem. So our, our focus over the next few years will be on pouring money into that research pot to really pull that, that research up. Okay. It feels like there's quite a lot potentially around prevention because a lot of what I've seen from sort of reading up about the organisation is about getting men to have those conversations about their health as well. Yeah, well, that's one of the big barriers. Um, so um, getting getting men to engage with their health is an issue in itself. Mm. And then um, getting them to in, engage with issues around prostate cancer or any risk to prostate cancer, there's kind of a, an additional barrier to that mm. because of the implications of being diagnosed with prostate cancer and the fact that the treatments that are available for prostate cancer have quite severe side effects. So there's no very good diagnostic procedure for prostate cancer at the moment. But if a man does get diagnosis, then there's no real clear route to what treatment is going to be best for that individual. So there's kind of lots of issues around trying to encourage men to be aware of the risk. And if they are concerned to then go and speak to their GP, which is what we recommend. So there's a lot we can do to support GPs and healthcare professionals understanding what the kind of recommended approach is in terms of speaking to people about prostate cancer and their risks and then how to advise them. I felt that there were two areas sort of challenges, if you like. So one was around understanding the overlap between the people who might access your services and the people that might support. Mm. The other one being that um, historically, as I think it mentions in this article that you wrote in Civil Society in April, was that you were targeting men generally. Yeah. And it sounded like that was working pretty well, yeah. but you knew that you could be more effective and more yeah. efficient if you understood your audience better. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting actually, because I think um, similar to a lot of other charities, if, if you pull out a couple of random people um, off your database and have a look at how they've engaged with you on how you've engaged them over time and whether that's the way you'd like it to look. It's often not. And we saw that with, you know, with a couple of individuals where we kind of plotted out on the wall what's Brian's, I'm just using that name randomly, but what's Brian's experience been of us as an organisation? And, and you know, there are these crushing moments where you see that Brian found us, signed up to receive a regular newsletter from us. And then for three years, we just kept kind of chucking in this newsletter, mm-hmm. but didn't think about why he might might have made that initial contact to try and you know offer him more from the kind of whole range of ways that might be through our our services or fundraising events that he might want to take part in and so of course eventually what happens what happened to Brian was that he he stepped away he cancelled his um, subscription to the Insight magazine so we knew we had some kind of problems like that that we weren't understanding who is connecting with us and why they're doing that and, and we also were um, at a time where we developed a TV ad and because our, we were quite clear that our audience was men and we you know, unapologetically kind of got a very um, male brand, um, it's a very distinctive brand and we're very, you know, we're very proud of it and it's worked ex- exceptionally well for us. But like, we identified our target audience as being men in the kind of broadest sense. Mm-hmm. So in trying to develop a, a TV ad for that audience, when we put it in, would put it to a focus group, 
the ad landed quite well for a couple of people in November, others in November, you know, didn't like it at all. And we had a lot of products that we knew were working really well, um, like our March for Men walking program. Mm -hmm. And we could see there being more opportunity, but we didn't kind of really understand why was it that that particular product was was working really well for us and what was what's the headroom for that so we kind of have been doing really well and some really successful stuff but we kind of didn't know why so the way that we kind of went about unlocking that was just thinking about whether we were being clear enough about who our audience is and that's what led us into doing some market research to try and work out who we should be targeting we made it broader before we narrowed it down so it wasn't gender specific to begin with yeah no it wasn't we worked with an agency called fine and we asked fine to go and find us people who were interested in two things one message is about their health and secondly, uh, receptive to being approached by charities. And it was really important to us that it was both those things. Mm -hmm. So this wasn't about just trying to find people who would support us. It was trying to find people who are going to be most interested in hearing messages about their health and messages about prostate cancer, and most likely to then do something about that. So that led us into obviously finding lots of different categories of people to, mm. to begin with, but then we managed to narrow that down to two market audiences. Within those categories, there's people who are more likely to be our doers, if you like, and there are people who, the, they're very interested in people's stories. They like us to portray messages in or, uh, through understanding what's happened to other people in, in their lives. So we're much clearer now about the profile of the audiences that we're trying to target. What that's enabled us to do is to kind of go back to the brief for the TV ad, for example, and go back to the criteria for our fundraising products and to design them with a much clearer focus around who it is we're trying to target. And that plays out not just across our fundraising products, but all our services as well. So, you know, we're this approach is very holistic in terms of thinking about how we might offer most value to people who are most likely to engage with us, as well as how they might want to support us. What it's helped us to understand is the reason why some of our products like March for Men work so well for us. Mm. Because there's something around people when they are faced with cancer and have had an experience like that in their lives where they want to come together with other people who have a shared experience. Um, whether they want to talk about that or not, there's something about that, about coming, bringing those people together yeah, and that so shared experience. Yeah. So March for Men, for example, is a product that is completely on brand. It works exceptionally well for our target audiences because it it not only offers them a way to get involved and support us, but it meets some of the needs of those for them personally too. So in a way it was it was kind of fortunate that it was designed like that to begin with. Yeah. But perhaps you didn't have the insight that exactly yeah. made it be designed like this. Yeah. Um, do you want to just explain briefly what March for Men is? So March for Men is a range of walks. So we started off with testing walks in three different locations in the country. And now we've rolled that out to seven. And then we'll next year we'll kind of roll it out even more. So they are in a park, typically kind of two, five or 10K walk. And we've kind of designed it as a family event. So 
it's not just relevant for men that want to come and walk, but they can bring their, their wives, families and children. And people with prostate cancer take part in those events or people walk in memory of people that have, they've lost through prostate cancer. And they're, they're a fundraising event, so people, you know, in a typical way sort of take pay to take part and then raise money for us. Mm. And how does the, the insight of the, the market research that you've been doing, how does that extend to people who are connected to somebody with prostate cancer? For example, I just picked up the leaflet in reception about if you're close to yeah. somebody with prostate cancer. Funnily enough, my mum's partner is called Brian. Oh, really? <laughs> you might be the guy that's stopped subscribing, you never know. But, um, yeah, he, Does he have prostate cancer? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. there you go. That's how I it was that Brian. My mum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really, that's another really interesting aspect of kind of what we discovered over the last year in doing our market research. Within the two target markets that we've identified, you know, roughly 40% of both of those audiences are women. That doesn't mean that we yeah, our focus won't be on men because we are here to improve the lives of men. Mm-hmm. But what it's done in terms of our our design of different products and communications is to um, make us ensure that they feel relevant to women yeah. and families um, as much. So, yeah, we've, I mean, in very practical terms, that means that the images that we use will include more pictures of women in the future. And that's what we've done over the last six months is start to include more photographs of, of women's in our material. And we'll now go on to do a bit more research into market research into what are the kind of interests and needs and wants of, of women and families. Whereas previously, all that insight has been targeted towards men and trying to understand what what support men need from us mm-hmm. and so we're, we're thinking more broadly now about what what women and families need from us as well yeah. so that will change the nature of, of of what we offer so we'll we'll provide a lot of health information and we market our specialist nurses helpline and we'll start to do that slightly differently so that it feels more accessible mm-hmm. to yeah to women and partners and families and friends and so on yeah okay can you tell us a bit about the research that you've done how have you how have you got to this sort of depth of insight what so for example focus groups or shadowing or yeah what sort of stuff did you do so far we've taken a sort of fairly traditional approach to it we used um vine agency and they did um some quantitative research which is a survey that went out to national population and then once we started to see some clusters we then went into um, focus groups and we've then used those focus groups to help us do a brand refresh as well so having identified who our audiences are and selected a couple we've then brought them back into the room again so this was with a mixture of um, men and women to represent mixed genders within mm-hmm. the, within the, um, our target audiences um, and to to ask them what they think of various aspects of our brand and our and the products that we have so we we showed them various things and used their feedback to help us refine our brand and so mm-hmm. we've been through um, a bit of a brand refresh and we're currently undergoing the development of a new brand campaign so we're in the process of of designing a through the line campaign and the focus of that will be on increasing people's awareness of prostate cancer and prostate cancer uk and building up to our marketing of the march for men program for the summer so 
the insight that we've got from our market research is all kind of embedded in the brief for the brand campaign um, and the messaging that we're developing for that and then um, how we're marketing the the kind of summer of activity next year. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's a very strong brand and I I felt that like coming into the offices as well. Yeah, um, you can't ignore it, can you? (laughs) (laughs) You're sitting there with a huge... uh, uh, logo of our and I guess that sort of speaks to the kind of feel that I got when I was looking into the organisation a bit more and one of the things that you mentioned in this article actually which shows you know pretty bold leadership and that was around the Christmas campaign or lack of Christmas campaign so when everybody else was launching theirs around right. November time you yeah. didn't do it and you waited till Boxing Day yes. um, I mean, I'd be really scared about doing that. I, again, I completely understand where it came from, but I'd be really like, oh. Yeah. But um, how did you... How did you make that decision? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, I suppose our decisions around what we do and when we do it is more guided by our understanding of our audience than it is by kind of traditional what, traditionally what you do when and um and and again you know historically i think intuitively the organization was making choices about um which fundraising activities it it would develop and what how its communications would look um based on you know its intuition about about men and and also in thinking about and I think, you know, very intelligently thinking about um, going to where men are at. So rather than trying to kind of create new environments to bring men into, of being present where men are, you know, already yeah. spending their time. Um, so football is an obvious one of those. So we have mm-hmm. have quite a big um, presence in football and uh, a lot of the football managers wear our... Um, logo wear our badge and so boxing day is it's not an obvious choice to me personally because i'm not a football fan yeah yeah Um, we know a lot of people are watching boxing day football um and that's an area where our audiences expect to see us and where we've been very present so it's a natural choice for us to, mm. to launch something on Boxing Day. So that's uh, being guided by what we think our audiences are going to be doing rather yeah. than when we think typically we should be doing something. And is it sort of easier to make that decision when you're not thinking about it as solely through a fundraising lens as well? I think any of that, any of this is in our planning and thinking. Um, tried, we've shied away from using the word supporters mm. um, and tried to kind of cross it out physically. Um, what do you call them? Would, well, there's a good debate. <laughs> we, it's, it's no really one, there's no one good word really. So if anybody out there has a really good <laughs> idea for how you can refer to individuals with, that these are kind of holistically rather than saying individual we tried customers, that feels a bit commercial. Yeah. Um, it's obviously not beneficiaries and it's not supporters because those are too one-dimensional. We tend to use the word individuals or we just talk about our audiences. So we've we've got a couple of things um, at Prostate Cancer UK that help us make really clear decisions. And one is we constantly come back to, is this the right thing for men? Mm. And secondly, it's, is this right for our audiences? 
and we try to hold on to those and if we get into complicated discussions or difficult decisions we try to come kind of pull it back to those two things so it's never perfect and no matter how much insight that you've got there's still more than one way of doing things um but it's a judgment call and you make you're going to make a much better judgment if you put those audiences that you've identified at the heart and center of those decisions than if than if we look to our own opinions to try to work out what it is we think we should be doing we used to approach things in terms of each team had an idea of what it what messages it wanted to be putting out at any one point in time so kind of we were quite a noisy organization Mm -hmm. and none of it was really very well joined up but if you looked at that from the outside in rather the inside out which is one of my mantras then it's then we're just basically bombarding people with lots of different messages and not being at all clear about what people could or should do if they were concerned about their risk of prostate cancer or how they can get involved with us. So we've tried to turn that around and think about what's the role that individuals can play in helping us to achieve our organisational strategy. We call it our audience strategy. It sets out really clearly what people can do now and over that over that 10-year period of our 10-year strategy that will have the greatest impact. Mm. So what is it they can do that will help us the most in terms of achieving that 10-year strategy? So we're very clear that over the next few years, that's helping us to raise the money that we need to pour into the research pot because there isn't a screening program available yet mm. for men. And so the the money we pour into the pot will help us get to that screening program. Once we get to that screening program further down the line in five years or so, our message will, and in as we lead up to that point, our messaging will change quite significantly because mm-hmm. the best thing we can do to stop men dying from prostate cancer at that point in time will be driving people towards that screening program. Okay. So all your call for actions point to that? Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 And that's that helps us to to overcome those kind of internal internal discussions and kind of challenges around what it is that we should be, uh, what messages we should be putting in our marketing. Because having done the more strategic, what's the, what's the role that people can play in helping us achieve our 10-year strategy yeah. and getting the right people around the table to discuss and agree that we're now clear and bought all bought into the fact that for the moment it's about helping people to fund that research and then a bit later on it will be about getting people, you know, pushing people towards that screening programme. Yeah. So we agreed on that. Yeah. And we can align our messaging and activity behind it. Make it sound quite simple. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and also the important thing is um, that we are very much in the theory stage of things at the moment as well. So, yeah. um, you know, we've yeah. yet to put a lot of this into practice and um, no matter how much insight you've got, there's no one answer to things. So there's a lot of kind of testing and learning to come yet. Yeah. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll learn an awful lot through our brand campaign. We're using insights um, to help us understand, for example, which corporate partners we approach by looking at their audiences and where there's sort of a crossover between their audience, the interests of their audiences and our audience interests. Richard Turner wrote a really good blog and it was saying that the way that we used to engage with people, so doing like a big advertising campaign or whatever, it just doesn't cut it anymore because mm. you can't, there's too much noise, we're so bombarded yeah. with advertising messages that stuff 
doesn't really cut through. Yeah. I guess even if it, if you're the target audience, it's sort of it's just too much noise. noise. Yeah. Um, and it feels like a lot of the stuff that that Prostate Cancer UK has been doing in terms of targeting people through football. Um, in every possible way, isn't it? Mm. So um, you talk about like from washroom to pitch yeah. to the ambassadors to it's sort of everywhere that you look. Yeah. That feels like really bringing that to life. Yeah. Um, so that's quite interesting. I think it is that kind of through the line mm. approach that is probably a best shot at trying to make sure that any awareness work that you're doing is going to translate into people taking some form of action. You've absolutely got to join those two things up. Um, and there is, you know, there is a certain amount of kind of test and learn that has to be built into that. Um, but the more that's guided by knowing your audiences and using that insight, you know, the, um, in terms of how they spend their time and where you're know, being in the places where they are, the more chance you've got of kind of having that cut through. We've identified two points in the year that we're kind of focusing a lot of our energy around. Okay. So one is June, because um, of Father's Day. Oh, okay. And the other is around Christmas time, Christmas Boxing Day time, campaigning kind of February, March, because of the lead, it, lead up to that activity around June. Yeah. And our March for Men series of walks and a lot of our other activity all takes place in June. Okay. And it's because we're building that Father's Day message. Yeah, okay. So tapping into what people might be wanting to do. Yeah. For in, or in memory of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And I guess the Boxing Day thing, that's not just because of the sport. I guess there's a family element to that. Yeah, well. that's right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. for sure. a similar reason. Okay. What sort of learning have you taken from the private sector? What have you learned from them in terms of how they engage with their audience? Where we have drawn on the kind of commercial sector in terms of what they do. Um, it's more about customer experience. We are doing a, a big piece of work around improving the experience that we provide for, and we are calling them customers in this sense. Okay. <laughs> and we've developed a new approach. We've got um, some, some really strong working principles at Prostate Cancer UK that everybody's familiar with and works to. And we've kind of used those as a springboard to develop the experience that we want to create for people. And we've written a kind of vision for okay. customer experience. The, the nature of the experience that we want to provide, which includes things like leaving everybody that we come into contact with feeling uplifted. And the, the reason I reference that in particular is because in the development of that, we've thought very holistically about the range of ways that somebody might engage with us as an organisation. So regardless of whether they take part in a fundraising event or they phone the nurse's helpline because they've just yeah. had a prostate cancer diagnosis, we can still aim to leave them feeling uplifted by that experience. A lot of that thinking has come from the commercial sector in understanding that people's loyalty to you as an organisation is predicated on the experience that you provide them with and how you leave them feeling about that experience. Yeah. It's that old adage around, you know, it costs seven times as much to recruit someone as it does to retain somebody. But, mm. you know, as fundraisers, we're we kind of always go for the shiny acquisition bit rather than the yeah, retention yeah. bit for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and it's trying to redress that balance and give mm. the retention bit, the experience bit more, more prevalence. That's really helpful, thank you. So last sort of 
sensible question uh, related to the topic is around around the internal culture. So we talked a lot about change really from the brand refresh and then you know that clarity of sort around strategy getting everybody behind that one yeah. big goal and yeah. um, has there yeah. been a role to shift culture internally and, yeah. and how have you sort of had to go about that yeah I mean I guess that's quite a big part of my role is it is that kind of cultural shift mm. and because my my role is cross-organizational so we've kind of tried to shy away from calling it an engagement director even though it, that term does get used occasionally but engagement is an approach you know it's a cross-organizational approach to how we need to think so we started with the leadership team developing the vision for engagement actually kind of writing what that vision for engagement is collectively and then involving heads in that and then involving the rest of the organization in it and we rolled it out through a number of different pieces of work that have been managed by different people across the organisation. So there's quite a lot of people across the organisation who've played a part in developing the approach that we had f- for engagement that sit outside of fund- fundraising and comms, and that's been really important. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in developing things like our, our audience strategy, um, all our audience-focused teams have been represented at the table that made those decisions. Mm-hmm. Same with our approach to customer experience. All our external facing teams have been represented at that table. I mean, it is a a gradual process of people understanding what is it we're trying to do here and how are we going to do it. But the kind of from the initial design of it, it's not been developed in one sort of corner of the organisation. It's you know, it's it's been by involving people. Yeah, Yeah. been done by involving people right from the beginning. But you know, it's not a linear process. It's like anything that is kind of this big in terms of change. You you make a couple of steps forward and then you have to kind of take one step back again and I think it's that point when you start to hear people thinking and planning and, and using different language that you realise that it's starting to embed. Yeah yeah it's quite satisfying to see. Yeah yeah. yeah and we've still got a lot of work to do you know we recognise that we're we're still very much in theory stage at the moment mm. we've built a lot of the foundations and we've made a lot of the decisions and our first big test of all of this really is, you know, over the next year when we roll out that brand campaign and we watch how it kind of rolls out through the lines, yeah. seeing what uplift we see as a result of having done things in a more strategic way than we've been able to before. Yeah, it sounds brilliant. Fingers crossed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, last question. Is the one for you about, is there a book, Personal Ethos, that has inspired your work? Yeah, I, I think for me it's more of an ethos, actually. In fact, uh, Joe, I think, mentioned the one that would be my kind of driving driving force. I've probably got two. So one would be uh, Maya Angelou mm-hmm. um, and what she said about people forget what you said what you did but never forget how you made them feel and that's you know I think both in a personal and a professional setting that's so true and I really hold on to that and it's something that we often forget because it's so easy to measure what people do but it's not easy to measure to how people feel you have to work a bit harder to understand that and the other again sort of personally and professionally has been what you put into life is what you get out of it I was a little bit horrified, actually, when I found out that it was Clint Eastwood that said that. Because <laughs> I wouldn't say he's necessarily somebody who was a hero of mine. Um, but um, again, you know, I found that so true in life. And I think it's probably why a lot of fundraising communications people do so well in life, because they tend to go at things with a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm. You seem to have never-ending energy as 
as I remember. <laughs> Are you still climbing mountains and doing? I am. In fact, I'm off uh, to Ethiopia on Saturday to lead a trek. Are. Yeah, of in the Simeon Mountains. It's good to hear that nothing changes. Lovely. All right. Well. That feels like a good place to end. So thank you very much for being so you know, honest about what, what you've been doing at Prostate Cancer UK. It's been really good to hear a bit more about what's going on. Thank you, Beth. The learning that I took from my chat with Tracy is threefold. First of all, having that clarity of strategy and one call to action can help to simplify your communications. So in the case of Prostate Cancer UK, that's all about funding research for a diagnostic tool. Secondly, on a practical level, being able to pull out a few supporters from your database and mapping their journey across the wall, perhaps using post-it notes or big flip chart papers, identifying what that journey has been and what you want that journey to be for those people and having an honest conversation internally about how you can build towards a better supporter journey, a more holistic approach. Thirdly, you need to do what's right for the audience, not something that just fits with the typical charity communications calendar. And I think this is really exemplified at Prostate Cancer UK. They have actually launched something on Boxing Day in a forum where they're really well known already and have a lot of presence, and that's um, that's through sport and football. I hope you got a lot from this chat. I certainly really enjoyed chatting with Tracy. I hope you can join me next time. Thank you.